Hey there, get ready to listen to the affairs of the black diasporas. You are about to learn, live, and enjoy life lessons we black people have experienced throughout history. Welcome to Unlocking Our Voices, where we seek to unify the black diasporas, eradicate inequality, racial profiling, and the general lack of respect. Let's open our mouths and minds with your host, Greg Fuller. Hello to the 1.4 billion African citizens on the African continent and to those from the diaspora. I am your host, Greg Fuller, and welcome to another Monday of Unlocking Our Voices. And I hope since our last episode that you have taken the time to get to know someone from the black diaspora or you have traveled to a country that is of the black diaspora um, that you have never traveled before and have learned something new about that person or that culture or that nation because discovery and learning is a beautiful thing to do. Welcome to Unlocking Our Voices, where we focus specifically on the black diasporas, the culture, the people, their stories, their issues, injustices, and the varying means used to prolong our oppression and marginalization. Our aim is to connect peoples of the black diasporas in new and exciting ways, equipping them with the tools, the platform, and access that allows them to trace their history and also to point to how an understanding of the past influences the very present that they live in, ultimately impressing upon them that they hold the keys to shaping their own future by way of dialogue and working together by means of face-to-face or virtual constructive conversation. We seek to evolve and enhance ourselves spiritually, mentally, socially, politically, and economically. And now let's hear from our champion, Coco Golf. God, well, thank you first to my parents. Uh, today was the first time I've ever seen my dad cry. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't want me to tell you all that, but he got caught in 4K. You know, he thinks, he's a, he thinks he's so hard, but you know, it's not. So thank you guys. I mean, you believed in me from the beginning. I've been coming to this tournament. My dad took me to this tournament, sitting right there watching Venus and Serena compete. So it's really incredible to be on this stage. Um, and obviously, huge thank you to my team, Stefan, Brad, Oh, yeah, Stefan's here. Oh, my God, he's here. Uh, Stefan, Brad, Para, Jameer, and Maria, thank you so much uh, for all that you guys have done for me. I know that has been a long three weeks, long month, uh, but you guys never, your faith has never wavered on me. And everybody in that box right there, thank you so much. Uh, a lot of you guys, I didn't know you were coming, so this is a surprise to see you there. Um, and I want to thank my grandparents who are home and my brothers. Uh, I could FaceTime my brother right after, but he didn't answer. Um, but then he called, <laughs> and then he called me later, uh, but I had to go. So thank you to those who are watching. Um, and then the last uh, couple things I want to say, um, honestly, thank you to the people who didn't believe in me. Um, I mean, like, 
A month ago, I won a 500 title, and people said I would stop at that. Uh, two weeks ago, I won a 1,000 title, and people were saying that was the biggest it was going to get. Um, so three, like, three weeks later, I'm here with this trophy right now. Um, so the <laughs> you know, I tried my best to carry this with grace, and I've been doing my best. So honestly, to those who thought we're, who we, those who thought who were putting water on my fire, you're really adding gas to it. And now I'm really burning so bright right now. And last but not least, uh, thank you to New York. Thank you to you guys. Uh, you guys pulled me through this gas fire. The supporters that I have mean so much to me. So thank you all. And thank you to everyone who made this tournament possible, especially you, Stacey. You put on an incredible tournament. Uh, I mean, I remember uh, just being here a couple couple years ago, and you always believed in me. So thank you for uh, just doing that. And all the ball kids, photographers, uh, staff behind the scenes, everyone who made this tournament possible, thank you so much. And thank you, New Thank oh you to the people who did not believe in me. <laughs> Coco Golf wins at the U.S. opening finals. Now, that is an amazing story. Like all black people, we have an amazing story. Because of the injustice of this world, because of the injustice of white supremacy and European supremacy, it has limited us for decades, well, for centuries, I should say, in certain spaces. But when the playing field is level, when the playing field is level, black people are able to rise at tremendous speed. And I think that is what their fear is, the minority culture of the world fears us because we are extremely talented. We are extremely brilliant, even when the, the odds is against us. But yet still, if the door is open a little bit, we rise with such exceptional creativity and speed and talent. Now, Coco was eight years old when she attended, I believe, her first U.S. openings at eight years old. And now she's 19 and have won the U.S. opening finals. What a remarkable, remarkable, remarkable job. Well done. And so we at Unlocking Our Voices salute you, Miss Coco. We are extremely proud and you are so poised and in terms of your, your response and the speech you gave. For those who did not believe in me, thank you. We have always been put aside that we are not capable, but yet still we continue to rise. And it's so interesting, <laughs> a, few, a few, I think a week or so, she played a, ma a, ma a match with another white um, opponent and Coco was abiding by the rules and she had to stand up for herself and say, hey, wait a minute, this other person is not playing fear. And so when the game was over, we saw the press conference with this fragile white 
girl crying, lady, I should say, crying, making herself the victim when she was not following the rules of the game. Make no mistake, Miss Golf winning the U.S. opening finals was not the only good news over the weekend because over the weekend, India's prime minister announced that the African Union will become a permanent member of the G20. Right, the African Union has been officially inducted into the G20. The summit is currently underway in New Delhi in India. India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi invited the African Union's chairperson, Azali Osamani, to occupy a seat at the table during the inaugural session. India says... A hallmark of its presidency has been how inclusive the G20 has become. The two-day summit will feature a high-profile guest list, including the U.S. President Joe Biden, the U.K.'s Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, as well as others. South Africa is represented by President Cyril Ramaphosa. So what does this mean for Africa's 1.4 billion citizens and its 54 countries? Now that Africa will become, well, the African Union, and in many respects, Africa is now part of the G20. I'm assuming that name will have to change from the G20 to the G21. So what is the G20? In 1999, after the Asian financial crisis that had a major impact on the global market, world leaders then um, met around shared political, economic, and health challenges to see how they could have a more cohesion and more stability and predictability in terms of addressing certain issues um, such as the financial, the political, and health challenges. Though we see that the G the group of 20, as it was called, comprised of 19 countries that includes Argentina, Australia, Brazil, Canada, China, France, Germany, India, Indonesia, Italy, Japan, the Republic of Korea, Mexico, Russia, Saudi Arabia, and South Africa was part of this too, but South Africa... Um, wasn't a permanent member, I should say, Turkey, the United Kingdom, and the United States, and the European Union. We see that their annual summit meeting has a rotating leadership president, which focused largely on broad macroeconomic issues, but it has since expanded its agenda to include trade, sustainable development, health, agriculture, energy, environment, climate changes, and anti-corruption. And when you look at the G20 members nation, they represent about 85% of the global GDP and 75% of the global trade, with about two-thirds of the world's population. But Africa, with the largest natural resources on the planet, was not a permanent member until its, incept, uh, its, its induction 
over the weekend. So that is interesting, right? We see this good news that Africa has now become part of the, 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 the G20. But why now? Why now? Why now that Africa is now being, um, becoming a part of the, the G20? And when you look at Africa in the past several months, there have been major crises going on in which African nations have been challenging Europeans' dominance, in particular the French. And we see African nations, West African nations, are now kicking um, their former French colony and breaking ties with them because they have been getting aid from Europe, America, and France since independence. But African nations couldn't or cannot rise to their full potential, but yet still they have the resources. And so it's, it's interesting to see, to see this event now has taken place. And when I heard the news that Africa will become a permanent member of the G20, I, you know, I decided to do some research and learned a little bit more about the G20. And, you know, being an historian that I am, you know, I was thinking about um, Benjamin Franklin in 1787 when he was addressing the U.S. Constitutional Congress or the U.S. Constitutional Convention. And at the same time, I'm thinking about the G20. And this is what Mr. Um, Franklin said when the U.S. Um, Conventional Constitution was being discussed, and I'm tying it to the G20. These were the words that Franklin said. When you assemble a number of men who have advantage of their joint wisdom, you inevitably assemble with those men all their prejudice, their passion, their arrows of opinion, their local interests, and their selfish views. And when we look at the G20, I couldn't think but applying that um, statement that Benjamin Franklin made in 1787 at the U.S. Constitutional Convention. Is the G20, the G20 now making Africa a permanent member because they fear they have a threat coming on their hands. And the threat that I'm talking about is the rise of the BRICS nation, right? We don't hear much conversation in the West about the BRICS, you know, um, and I think often when people want to know about the BRICS nation, they have, they're not going to get much information from the Western media. So is it reasonable to conclude that it is perhaps has something to do with the expansion of the BRICS nation? Because for almost 80 years or so, the West, in particular, or should I say, the United States have controlled the international financial banking and trading order. The conventional pathway of um, accepting change and process in the international system was through what they call the multilateral institution, 
right? This, you know, we, we, we see that when nations did not comply with the West or the United States, they could put sanction on them. And so we see this new financial system emerging from the BRICS nations now with the wave of this miniature multi, you know, this miniature multilateral um, system, which is a style of diplomatic engagement that gives prominence um, to small and medium-sized coalition of like-minded states to bypass the U.S. dollars and their trading um, mechanism regulation that they put in place. Because now Africa is becoming part of the G20. Is this an attempt by the West to have African nations, in, in particular the African Union, in which they can manipulate? I don't know. I'm just speculating. I'm not an international correspondent or, you know, in, in terms of these things. But it's just interesting to see that Africa is now the African Union. Now, with the African Union now part of the G20 and with its um, economy of about $1.3 trillion, it's going to have a say. You know, it's going to have a major impact because the African Union becomes a permanent member. We see other African states can also apply to the G20, but it becomes problematic. You know, I see a lot of problems going on here because here you have the BRICS nation emerging in terms of setting up their own economic system. And then you have the G20 with another um, economic um, policies or system that they're put in place. There's a lot of contradiction going on and so, you know, as I was reading and, and trying to learn more, we have, um, I was watching a program over the weekend, African News over the weekend, and the South African BBC News, well, not BBC, but South Africa, BC News um, International Editor Sophie spoke on the importance of the um, of Africa or the African Union becoming a permanent member of the G20. And this is what she says. Well, it is an important moment for the continental body because you know that uh, much as you have individual countries from Europe, you also have the European Union that is part of the G20. And therefore, the European Union is able to negotiate for smaller countries within the group. And therefore, for Africa, it is good because now you have a continental body represented there. And the continental body can take the NEPAT document, the African continental free trade area document and negotiate on behalf of the entire continent, particularly the smaller uh, countries that won't have an opportunity perhaps uh, to be part of this uh, powerful group. We know that Nigeria has indicated that they want to join. And other countries, I think uh, Egypt will do yeah. the same. And they have economic muscle. They can do that. And therefore, the issue of discussions around the transformation of the multilateral organizations such as IMF, World Bank, and the Security Council will be 
entertain much better yeah. with Africa speaking in one voice, with South Africa supporting every presentation. Now, it's only going to take time to see the impact of Africa um, in the G20. But one thing is for sure, Africa's time is now and Africa is rising. And make no mistake, the world will have to contend with a strong political, economic, and military Africa, continental-wise Africa, in the future. And I, you know, I foresee these things taking place because the African nations is, 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 is waking up. And no one, no one empire can last forever. When we look at world history, we see that the Roman Empire eventually collapsed. When we look at world history, we see the British Empire eventually collapse. And when we look at in modern times, we see the U.S. Empire is coming to a close. And other parts of the world, they are rising. China is rising. India is rising. And Africa is rising. And Africa has a key role to play in the global market. So I want to say thanks, you know, for Africa being part of the G20 and India announcing it. And so this is exciting news. And so this weekend was full, was full of excitement. We see with the U.S. Um, finals openings um, in which Coco won that match and then with the announcement of Africa becoming a permanent member of this, um, this international body. And so I hope this episode has helped you learn more about the importance of the African Union becoming a permanent member of the G20 with its natural resources and $1.3 trillion economy. Africa will be a trading block and powerhouse that Europe, the United States, and Asia will have to deal with on equal footing in the near future. So let's start a new chapter of partnership, fellowship, brotherhood, sisterhood, spiritual strength, racial unification for political power, economic might, and a united Africa. For as we look back in the, in the past, this unity and confusion has been our greatest weakness. Thanks, for, thanks so much for tuning in. And I encourage you all to check out our social media on Instagram um, in TikTok because we have some amazing content on those platforms. Stay connected for our next episode where we will dive deep into another fascinating topic that will help unlocking the voices as the Black diaspora community. Thanks so much for listening and have a wonderful rest of your week. 
If you enjoyed Unlocking Our Voices, recommend us and let's grow our conversations, community, and power. Stay tuned for our next episode and don't forget to sign up for our notifications. Find us on social media at Unlocking Our Voices and on our website at www.unlockingourvoices.com. Thanks for listening and helping to amplify the voices of the Black diasporas.